Because of his ability to alter his environment with tools, man has proceeded under the arrogant assumption that he's the highest expression of organized matter in that environment. It's never even crossed his mind that he may himself be the tool of another organism, an organism in which he is cotominous, yet an organism that, until recently, has always managed to remain invisible. Early in August of 1994, a strange gelatinous rain pummeled the tiny town of Oakville, Washington, about 40 miles west of Mount Rainier. Residents emerged from their houses after the downpour to find the gelatinous substance coating the branches of trees and laying around their yards in hailstone-like clumps. Unlike hail, the substance did not melt when handled, but many of those who handled it became violently ill. People in the area reported heavy activity at the time by unmarked black helicopters and planes. Some speculated that it was the military. The noxious biological hazard has since been dubbed with the Disney askew moniker of star jelly by the media. Apparently for no other reason than it occurred during the Pesoid meteor shower, seen all over the world every year in the wake of the Swift Tuttle Comet. In the aftermath of the illnesses, some, some requiring hospitalization, the Washington State Department of Health assigned state microbiologist Mike McDowell to analyze the mysterious jelly. He found it positive for Pseudomonas fluorescens and Ectobacter colicae, both like Seracia morsescens are from a genus of extremely vigorous bacteria and opportunistic pathogens. McDowell became convinced that the substance was a matrix. In microbiology, a matrix is any kind of carrier in which other substances are embedded. They occur naturally, like the protective jelly found around amphibian eggs, but they can also be man-made. According to McDowell, they can be used to carry nerve agents, organisms, chemicals, and viruses. McDowell's investigation was abruptly terminated when he came to work one day and found all his samples of the substance missing. When he asked management what happened to them, he says he was told not to ask again. To this day, McDowell was adamant that the material he examined was manufactured by someone for some purpose, and for some reason, Oakville was chosen as a test site. E. are used in bioreactor-based method for biogradation of RDX, an acronym for Research Department Explosive. RDX is one of the most powerful of the conventional high explosives and has been since World War II. It is literally the old Bessie of military and industrial applications requiring an explosion. Bioreactor is a manufactured or engineered device or system that supports a biologically active environment. Pseudomonas fluorescence, besides being used in soils to promote plant growth and the biogradation of pesticides, can also be genetically engineered to degrade 2,4-dinatrotatoline, DNT. DNT is a precursor of TNT. Pseudomonas is a gram-negative, non-sporulating genus that also includes Pseudomonas arginosa. The genus is suspected of being the most common precursor of ice crystals in clouds and a primary cause of both snow and rain. Both P. arginosa and P. fluorescent secrete pyoverdine, a fluorescent yellow-green sidropore, as do most species in the genus. In fact, P. fluorescence is named for it. Sidrophores are among the strongest soluble iron-binding agents known to man. P. agerinosa and P. fluorescence also share fondness for dining on crude oil. The biogradation of petroleum and hydrocarbon pollutants by microorganisms called bioremediation is one of the primary and most cost-effective ways of removing them from the environment. P. arginosa and P. fluorescence utilize hydrocarbons as a nutrient by means of rampnoplids. Rampnoplids are a specialty of P. arginosa. They are an extracellular secretion that acts as a suffocant a compound that lowers the surface tension between two liquids or between a liquid and a solid. Besides being a favorite biosuffocant, the oil industry rampnoplids are heavily used in cosmetics and also effective in the bioremediation of heavy metal. Compared to chemically synthesized suffocants, the expenditure of producing rampnoplids 
has not always been cost-effective, but recently strains of P. arginosa have been isolated that can produce a very high yield of 12 grams per liter from initial production levels of 20 milligrams per liter. The strain called NY3 was expected to come into play in the cleaning up of the Gulf Coast oil spill. The genus Pseudomonas was named at the turn of the 20th century by Polish-born German bacteriologist Walter Megilla. In Greek, the language of bacteriological nomenclature, pseudos means false and monus means a single unit. Until this day, no one knows why the German chose to call the bacteria a false unit. P. arginosa is the most common cause of infections in burn, burn injuries and the most frequent colonizer of medical devices in hospitals. As an opportunistic pathogen, it is often deadly to humans if it gets into the vital organs. It is found happily colonizing diesel and jet fuel tanks, where it creates a dark gelatinous mats, improperly called algae. But there, there can only be one microscopic master of the universe. Sorassium arsescens is just getting started with protodesin. In laboratory experiments, pitting it against its closest rival in the, a nutritionally limited environment, S. marcescens dramatically overcame the vigorous P. arginosa. It apparently did so by hijacking the biological functions of P. arginosa, use, uses to sustain its own biofilm with a secretion called bacterocin. A biofilm is the extracellular matrix that is the product of the microorganism secretions. It is a self-serving and self-contained environment. Some people would call it slime. When cultured by itself in the experiment's phosphate-limited medium, the numbers of S. marcescens decreased as would be expected. However, the mortality rate of the S. marcescens was dr drastically reduced when it was co-cultured with P. arginosa in the same phosphate-limited medium. In fact, the P. arginosa appeared to sustain, sustain the S. marcescens WW4 biofilm. S. marcescens' never-ending repertoire of secretions also includes a delightful little enzyme called methylprotease, which produces in great abundance and high specific activity. Metalproteases aid in the hydrolysis of peptide bonds, leading to protein degradation. The catalytic mechanisms most always involve a metal and are dependent on metal ions and cofactors, usually zinc, sometimes cobalt. Metalproteases are believed to function in cell-to-extracellular matrix interactions. The two closely related families, matrix metalproteases and, and Metal protease disintegrins are now thought to be crucial determinants in tumor growth. In fact, many microbiologists are now convinced that if MMPs promote cancer development, their inhibitors should prevent it. The next century in the doomed Reichsführer, the next century in the doomed Reichsführer Wolfram Sieber's diary, right after the ones made for April of '44, that Kurt Blom had been experimenting with neutron radiation, humans and bacterial pathogens, said one of Blom's research crews had found the cure for cancer. The word Sieber uses, or at least the English translation of it, is supposedly from a plant extract. Blom, who had a water fight, need have went through all the trouble of isolating MMPs and ADAMs to find the best chelating compound to inhibit them. Chelating compounds remove metal by binding to its ions. Ethnolindiamintraxetate, better known as EDTA for obvious reasons, and now the chelating compound of choice among microbiologists, had already been discovered almost a decade before World War II. Proud of human genius and personal confidant to both Hitler and Goring, Baron Manfred von Arden had actually invented the scanning electron microscope, one of the two tools that would revolutionize microbiology all the way back in 1937. In fact, by 1933, 
when National Socialists took power in Germany, German physicist and eventual Nobel Prize winner Ernst Ruska had already produced the working model for an electron microscope that all the others would be based on to this very day. Ruska's electron microscope is the other tool that revolutionized microbiology. By 1937, the Germans had asked Ernst's brother, Helmut Ruska, to develop applications with biological specimens for the new invention. German prowess is well documented in Black Sun Rising Part 4. As the plenipotentiary for cancer research in the Third Reich, Bohm had unlimited use of the same assets or at least the basic versions of them available to microbiologists today. He also had the additional perk of being institutionally sanctioned to experiment on humans. Bohm very may have well have found a cure for cancer. In his quest to mutate S. marcescens using neutron radiation, he may have stumbled across the variant of S. marcescens OST3, which produces a protogeosin that is toxic to tumors. In laboratory tests, the protogeosin of S. marcescens OST3 has shown a fondness for dining on cancer cells and only cancer cells. Most insidiously, Seracia marcescens secretes an extracellular endonuclease of extraordinarily high specific activity. Called a restriction enzyme, this nuclease is routinely used for DNA modification in laboratories and is a vital tool in molecular cloning. Restriction enzymes are characteristic of bacteria and their cousins, once called archnobacteria, now called archaea. The enzyme produced by S. marcescens, SMA1, is a sugar non-specific hydrolase capable of cleaving both RNA and DNA in either double or single-stranded form. It requires divalent cations, preferably magnesium, or as long as Mg2 to DNA ratio for maximum activity as maintained in the nucleic acid substrate contains no fewer than five phosphate residues. SMA1 will cleave both single or double-stranded DNA and RNA at similarly accelerated rates. Indeed, S. marcescens ravenous rates of hydrolysis Indeed, S. marcescens ravenous rates of hydrolyzing nucleic acids, the biological material that composes DNA and RNA, have led to SMA1's deployment as a suicide gene by certain nefarious bacteriologists that would murder the world and call it a job. After a set period of time, the gene will not only automatically obliterate the weaponized bacteria it's been inserted in, it will also destroy the recombinant DNA and plasmids as well. Throughout the 90s and well into the 21st century, it was demonstrated in laboratories throughout the West that the genus of Seracia is capable of slow growth using only DNA as a carbon source. Some of the more novel uses of Seracia nucleases were and still are being explored in the former Soviet Union. Recently, the small SMA1 enzyme was shown to be able to bind to, to a hybrid form of DNA called BZ DNA. In a Russian experiment, SMA1, along with its metallications, bound to the hybrid BZ DNA substrate concocted by the Russian scientists and ceased virtually all enzymatic activity, as if it were displaying a natural affinity for the Frankensteinian genetic material. In the experiment's premise, the scientists acknowledge that SMA1 is a prolific killer of both DNA and RNA, but they also note it displays sensitivity to the secondary structure of the substrate. ZDNA was first discovered in the late 70s. ZRNA was observed a few years later. The Z is descriptive of the molecule's zigzag appearance on its backbone. It looks not so different from the smooth, continuous coil seen in the far more often occurring B DNA. When the base pairs of B DNA are flipped upside down, it results in the reorganization of its structure to a left-handed spin. B DNA and A DNA, which is similar to B DNA but less often occurring, both have a right-handed spin. The result of this reorganization is that the phosphate groups are closer together in the Z DNA, producing a higher state of energy. 
ZDNA has been difficult for microbiologists to study because it's not a stable feature of the double helix. It is a transient structure that is occasionally induced by biological activity. It is believed to be involved with transcription. The first step of gene expression when a particular segment of DNA is copied into RNA, which then helps to synthesize, regulate, and process proteins, playing a fundamental role in the cell's biological functions. It has been found that three regions near the promoters of CMYC gene form ZDNA when CMYC gene is expressed. These regions, however, quickly revert to BDNA if CMYC transcription is switched off. The protein encoded by CMYC gene is a multifunctional nuclear phosphoprotein that plays a role in cell cycle progression, also called the cell division cycle. It also plays roles in apoptosis or programmed cell death and cellular transformation. Cellular transformation is the direct uptake and incorporation by the cell right through its cell membrane of exogenous genetic material from its surroundings. True cellular transformation only occurs naturally in bacteria. Cancer researchers working out of the Wellcome Trust Sanger Institute in Cambridge, England, recently identified two mutant genes that are present in almost every cell of the human body. The rate of these genes' mutation is believed to function as a built-in biological death clock. At least one of them, called a mitotoxic clock, by the researchers is the result of DNA mutation that takes place in the cell division cycle. Mike Stratton, director of the Institute, theorizes that the alterations in the mutational rate of the genes could change the rate at which cancer occurs. He adds, these two processes could contribute to aging, and their presence at a constant rate could predetermine the rate of aging. Less is known about the other process. Initial speculation is that it may be linked to a mutation that occurs through DNA repair. DNA is damaged over time. It has to be repaired at the molecular level through replication of small sections a little at a time. During these endless repairs, mutations occur. Stratton notes, the machinery that replicates DNA occasionally makes mistakes. By 1989, it was known that S-muscessin produces a DNA glycosylase gene that repairs these mutations on its own DNA, in its own DNA. Uniquely, in experiments with E. coli, a different species, it repaired the mutated DNA of the E. coli. DNA glycolases are are a family of of enzymes that repair damaged DNA throughout the cell cycle. They are found in all taxonomic kingdoms, but were first discovered in bacteria. Uracel DNA glycolase now known to be the human version of the gene, was first isolated in E. coli. In his role in Star Trek as the Rand Corporation's newspaper boy, it may well have been the specter of S. Marcessens that inspired Gene Roddenberry to write about the Borg, a hybrid race of man and machine that challenges man as the dominant expression of humanity itself. Not only is S. Marcessens' requirements for zinc insatiable, but so is its need for iron. It also includes has a protein in its never-ending repertoire of secretions. Has a is a relentless extracellular scavenger of iron. Hemolysin, also an extracellular secretion of S. Marcessens, breaks down red blood cell walls and is thought to allow for the release of iron sequestered in the blood cells. Apparently, the future belongs to a bacterium that is man, machine, and vampire. The first nanomechanical devices, the first nanomechanical devices were based on the transition of BDNA to ZDNA with the addition of hexamina cobalt. Magnesium and hexamina cobalt were the cations used by Filaminova in the Russian nuclease experiments. Almost a decade ago, using Esmarcessens as a swimming robot, only a few hundredths of a millimeter in size, it was being proposed in America's top research laboratories. Speculation was made about the part machine, part bacteria, micro-robots, potential to enable hardware platforms to self-organize, swarm intelligence, distributed control, and reconfigurable systems in the future.
By the end of 2010, PhD dissertations were turning up at the University of Pennsylvania about how to control SMSSs in a phoretic environment. Phoretic environment should probably be taken as a euphemism for human bloodstream. The Association of American Universities, AAU, consists of 60 American and two Canadian universities. It is considered by many in the academic world to be the most elite organization in higher learning. The University of Pennsylvania is one of the 14 founding members, as is Yale University, where Jose Delgado had his fellowship, and Harvard University, attended by George W. Merck. The University of Wisconsin, where the Empire's bacteriological warfare program began, was attended by both Frank Olson and Ira Baldwin. The AAU was founded in 1900. Northwestern University, the alma mater of Henry Parrish, joined in 1917. Duke University, which played a host to the pioneering work of Joseph Banks Ryan, the intellectual predecessor of Parrish, joined in 1938. The California Institute of Technology, attended by Sidney Gottlieb, became a member in 1934. The same year it formed the Guggenheim Aeronautical Laboratory in the California, at the California Institute of Technology under Theodore von Karman, heir to the cableism's dark legacy of the Golem. Alarmed by the ascendancy of Rudolf II to hold the Holy Roman Emperor in the latter quarter of the 16th century, Judea Lower Ben Bazazel, the Mariel of Prey, had taken precautions. The Mariel, a master cableist without peer until Alistair Crowley would walk the earth three, would walk the earth three centuries later. Fashioned a living being from a special kind of clay he found at the banks of the Vatava River. The rabbi was acting on instructions that he had extracted from the Sefer Yetzirah, Kabbalism's oldest and most potent magical text. Ostensibly, the being, called a golem in Hebrew, was created to protect the Jewish community of prey from Christian pogroms. But the golem, endowed with supernatural powers and able to summon up the dead, bestowed great power on his creator. It is said the Mariel had to deactivate his evil creation because he even... The inert golem had been kept in the attic of the old new synagogue at Altenmuschel in Prague till the dawn of the 20th century. For 200 years, it was the silent sentinel that promised and always troublesome Germanic Christians mutually assured destruction. Many educated and respected people, both Jewish and Christian, professed to having seen it up there. But no one knows what happened to it after the attic was renovated in 1883. There is much mythology and literature blending the missing golem seamlessly with National Socialism's insatiable appetite for occult quests. Perhaps, coincidentally, Carmen, heir to the Mariel Plague's bloodline, would go on to found Jet Propulsion Laboratory with Jack Parsons, heir to Alice Crowley's magic. Eventually, JTL, JPL would give rise to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA. It's not open to interpretation. By the would-be philosophers and dime-store pundits. It never was. It's been engineered through the images of scanning electron microscopes. Both zinc and nucleases and transcription-activator-like effector and nucleases give microbiologists the tools they need to bind and cleave DNA at specific desired positions. The genetic blueprint can be redrawn, tweaked in just the right places, and the new man will create himself through, through microstructural evolution. In the near future, cancer-killing T-cells may be mass-produced in laboratories prescribed as randomly as painkillers by physicians. In London, within weeks of this administration, a single one millimeter infusion of these one-size-fits-all cancer-killing T-cells to a critically ill one-year-old girl appears to have completely cured her of acute hemophilic leukemia. The Marburg strain of Bacillus subtilis has been known to produce its own restrictive enzyme at least since 1963. By 1966, experiments were being run with it on DNA of E. coli, now called BG. BG12, BGL2. The bacillus secretion is a type of two restrictive enzyme. The SMA1 
secreted by osmosis is a type 1. Both require magnesium for activation, but type 2s don't require adenosine tryptophosphate, ATP. ATP is used in cells as a coenzyme and is usually vital in the process of intercellular energy transfer. Early in 1947, working out of Yale, iconic botanist and microbiologist Paul R. R. Burkholder, assisted by Norman H. Giles, Jr., subjected a single colony isolations of the Marburg strain of Bacillus subtilis to ionizing radiation. The American scientists were reducing mutagenesis with X-rays and ultraviolet light. Neutron radiation is the byproduct of nuclear fission and fusion. Only Dr. Kurt Blom had ever used it on bacteria. That same year, Blom would be acquitted of all charges at the Nuremberg doctor's trial. The experiments at Yale yielded strain 168, which would become the preferred strain of B. subtilis used by most academics and in many industrial processes to this day. When the Yale experiments ended, strain 168, along with at least four other mutant strains, were preserved and transferred to the possession of Dr. Charles Yanofsky of the Stanford University. Stanford University is another of the 14 founding members of the AAU. The strains would not appear in public again until 1958, when Yanofsky handed them over to Dr. John Spazizan, working out of the Western Reserve University School of Medicine in Ohio. Founded all the way back in 1826, Western Reserve was well known for its development of the modern technique for human blood transfusion. By 1967, after merging with the Case Institute of Technology, Western Reserve became known as the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, SSWRU. SWRU became a member of the AAU in 1969. In 1887, the famed Michelson Morley experiment that supposedly refuted the existence of the ATOR and launched the special theory of relativity actually took place in the basement of the campus dormitory of Case. Spazizan would run experiments with Yanofsky's stimulus and advice. They were financed by the AEC under the division of Biology and Medicine. The experiments demonstrated cellular transformation and sporulating strains of mutated B. subtilis. That same year, 1958, Spazizan published a landmark paper proving bacteria other than Streptococcus pneumoniae, primary cause of pneumonia, and known to engage in cellular transformation since 1928, could absorb and assimilate enzymes through the cell wall. Because of the case with which strain 168 was transformed back to its original state before being mutated at Yale, it became the subject of endless follow-up experiments. Eventually, academia's love affair with the strain 168 would develop into classical genetic studies. The fetish for sporulation would later lead to recombinant and genomic technologies. Economically, curious, Spinoza's follow-up work over two years later would be on the strain 168 in what he called a vegetative stage of growth, which he said was far easier to work with than the germinating spores that require complex factors. There's a discrepancy as to what a Marburg strain is. When compared to the original wild Marburg strain deposited in the American Type Culture Collection, that's ATCCC, in 1930, Burkholder and Giles Marburg strain had undergone at least two undocumented domestication processes before the published Yale experiments even began in 47. Consequently, strain 168 and every other strain from the Yale experiments on are unknown genetic or of unknown genetic origins. In a fortuitous coincidence, for those who love a mystery, Yale's lost almost the entire B. subtilis collection, including the wild type parent that Burkhol and Giles were working on. Because of the incredibly reckless destruction of records at Fort Dietrich and the failure of its senior bacteriologist, Frank Olson, to achieve flight over New York City, exactly how the military arrived at its red strain alias B. atrophius, B. globigi, or B. subtilis variety niger, will forever remain a mystery. On average, the norm of B. astrophius 
is approximately 86% identical to B. subtilis on the nucleotide level. Nucleotides are the basic building blocks of both RNA and DNA. It doesn't get much closer than that without being of the same species. Sometime in the early 60s, Dr. Curtis Thorne started standing out a new strain of B. subtilis called W23SR. It was described by its recipients as a prototropic derivative of fetaronine requiring strain 23 that is streptomycin resistant. Prototrophic simply means torn specimens with nutritionally independent and not oxotrophs like the Yale strains. Streptomycin is the most important antibiotic on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. The recipients of this shiny new streptomycin-resistant mutant were bacteriologists working out of the University of California, Los Angeles. UCLA became a member of the AAAU in 1974. Thorne had received his specimens from Dr. Maurice Fox of Rockefeller University. At the same time, Fox was considered the foremost expert in the world on, on transformation he would go on to become Professor Emeritus of Biology at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where he would chair the Radiation Protection Committee. MIT was a member of the AAU since 1934. In 1961, Thorne was working out of Fort Detroit, isolating transducing phages for B. subtilis in order to facilitate transduction. A phage, also known as a bacterial phage, is a virus that infects bacteria. A bacteriophage can act as a biological envelope to deliver genetic material to the bacteria it infects. This is called transduction, and is yet one more way in which bacteria incorporate alien DNA. Since it doesn't require physical contact between the cell donating DNA and the cell receiving it, it's resist and is resistant to dexobononuclease, which sometimes interferes with transformation. Transduction is now the preferred tool for stably implanting a foreign gene into a host cell genome. Transduction occurs either by lytic cycle or lysogenic cycle. Cell lysis, which occurs in the lytic cycle, breaks down the cell membrane and releases the phage particles upon culmination. In the lysogenic cycle, the phage chromosome is integrated into the bacterial chromosome where it can remain dormant for thousands of generations. Thorne successfully induced the latter stage. He smugly notes in the experiment's abstract that even after heating at 149 degrees for one hour, the spores retained their lysogenic condition and were able to infect a medium they were added to with the bacterial phage. The following year in 1962, we find uh, Thorne, along with Martha Taylor, and an Arcane Francis A. Bial from the Army Chemical Corps of, over at Fort Detrick, impersonating scientists as they giddily distilled the toxin of Bacillus anthracis to more efficiently kill rats. Bill didn't write any more papers, but the ever eclectic Thorne and his co ed sidekick Taylor ran experiments at Fort Detrick in 63, unsuccessfully attempting to transduce Bacillus lichenformis and Bacillus subtilis. Undaunted, they remark in their paper that their failure to achieve cross-transduction is not surprising since the two species differ with respect to the base composition of their doxorevonucleic acid. At this point, it's absurd to believe the CIA was interested in anything other than weaponizing B. subtilis and putting an indestructible, time-released doomsday machine into the hands of an empire gone mad. The endospores of B. subtilis can carry anything, from the instructions to become an antibiotic-resistant B. antractus B. subtilis hybrid to a mutation with the punch of Yersinia pestis or Legionella pneumophilia, the bacteria that causes Legionese. The Empire's mad scientists and its dragon soldiers are in the business of killing things by poison. They are the latter-day apostles of Ecclesia Borgia. They know their business, and they know their religion. If, if you're looking to kill your enemy's livestock, anthrax is not the most efficient bacteria for doing so. According to Wikipedia, during 
the first half of the 20th century, Mycobacterium bovis was estimated to have killed more farm animals than all other infectious diseases combined. As Kissing Cousin, Mycobacterium tuberculosis, the bacterium that causes tuberculosis is no less lethal to humans. In active cases that go untreated, M. tuberculosis kills over 50% of its victims. If it gets into the extrapulmonary organs, such as the liver, spleen, and kidneys, it becomes miliary tuberculosis, which left untreated is almost always fatal. Even with the best modern medical treatment, about 30% of those afflicted will die. Those that don't will wish they did and be maimed for life. Miliary tuberculosis was, has previously been commonly called galloping consumption. It allegedly derives its now commonly used name from the tiny lesions it leaves in the lungs that resemble millet seeds. When viewed in the chest, radiograph, its resemblance to numerous millet seeds on the organs it afflicts as had been noted as early as 1700 by John Jacob Manget, but the name never really caught on until recently. Perhaps coincidentally, red strain, alias B. entrophius, B. Golbigi, or B. subtilis variety, niger, is often simply referred to in literature as military BG. It's estimated that one-third of the world's population is already infected with M. tuberculosis, and another 1% are infected every year. Although most of those infections are latent, it still manages to kill close to a million and a half people a year. The vast majority of those it kills are people of color. The existing data predicts that about 80% of the population in many Asian and African countries will test positive, while only 5 to 10% of Americans do. Virohemorrhagic fever is the ominous scientific-sounding name the empire has tagged its latest plague du jour with. The disease first appeared in the area of Frankfurt, Germany in 1967, where it killed seven of the 31 people infected. It was just a year after the empire realized their pet bacterium was producing an endonuclease that would potentially allow them to splice DNA and adjust the mechanism that derives evolution, drives evolution in living organisms. The deadly fever would be dubbed Marburg virus. The story would be released to the press about a batch of infected monkeys from Africa delivered to a lab in Marburg, Germany. Camping is just a short drive from Frankfurt, 11 miles. Also, they've been making that drive with diplomatic pouches. Undoubtedly, those pouches were laden with new and deadly strains of bacteria, freshly brewed from the laboratories of the world's most inscrutable places. There is no reason whatsoever to believe Olson's successor was not doing the same thing 15 years later at the height of the Cold War. There is every reason to believe they were. Camp King would close its doors for good in 1968. It would change both its job description, along with its title, to Command and Control Center for the United States Army Movements Control Agency, Europe. In the summer of 1976, Dr. Peter Payot, 27-year-old scientist and medical school graduate, training as a clinical microbiologist, along with others at the Institute of Tropical Medicine in Antwerp, Belgium, examined the contents of the bloody cooler they had received for a mission in Yambuku, Zaire. The remote African village was in the grip of an unnamed epidemic that would eventually kill 280 of the 310 people it infected. It had fallen on the Institute of Tropical Medicine to give it a name. Peering through their electron microscope, they observed a gigantic worm-like structure. Gigantic by virile standards, Payat continues with his account. It's very unusual shape for a virus. Only one other virus looked like that, and that was the Marburg virus. Payat is a baron now, and the director of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. He's best known for his work on theorizing the viruses behind the bowler and AIDS. The preeminent Payat's theories would for a long time lead to erroneous assumption by researchers that HDLV1 had a role in the AIDS. A few weeks later, Payat, along with a posse of his colleagues, would dramatically plunge into the jungle, playing a role later made famous by Dustin Hoffman in the Hollywood movie Outbreak. It was nothing like the movie. Instead of a thermonuclear device, 
The outbreak in Zaire was halted by simply stopping the priests and nuns, cowering isolated in a guest house on the mission grounds when the scientists got there. From there, from there at best, homicidally incompetent medical practices. The nuns had been dispensing dirty needles for the injection of vitamins every morning to the native woman attending the mission's antenatal clinic. In the, pre- in the preview of things to come, while on the expedition, Piat and his colleagues would wrongly name the virus after the Ebola River, 60 miles away, and nowhere near the epicenter of the outbreak. Payat claims they, were, they did not want to stigmatize Yambuku, but, but taking the theatrical value into consideration of Ebola that is to Yambuku, what Bob Dylan is to Robert Zimmerman, in his recollections, Payat muses about the theatrically fortuitous deliberate mistake. But Ebola is a nice name, isn't it? Later, it was realized that the initial outbreak had been in Nazara, South Sudan, a couple of months earlier, where it killed 151 of 284 infected. The myth of the dreaded Ebola virus was born and would henceforth dominate mainstream medicine, going on to a long career in Hollywood and sprawled across the headlines of fear-mongering tabloids. But far more awful truth is between February and October 2014, during the latest epidemic, Ebola killed over 4,000 people in Africa. During that time period, malaria killed 300,000, and mycobacterium tuberculosis killed over 600,000. Incomprehensibly, M. tuberculosis never seems to have been considered by the Institute of Tropical Medicine's lead doctor, Stefan Patin. He never took the time to use special strains and cultures to detect the viral-like cell wall deficient forms. The oversight is made even more inexplicable by the fact that Patin found the telltale microscopic lesions of malaria tuberculosis in, on the autopsy nun's liver. Hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging of internal organs and bleeding out through the eyes, ears, and bowels are a few of the many ways blood-borne tuberculosis kills, sometimes in hours. Its symptoms and its mortality rates are virtually identical to Ebola. In fact, According to the New England Journal of Medicine, in the current Ebola outbreak, less than half of the people infected were having visible hemorrhaging. Patton was supposed to be an expert in bacteriology. Pat remembers him as having worked in Zaire for six or seven years, with his specialty being mycobacteria, tuberculosis, and leprosy. Pat also recollects him as a bit of a bully and ruminates. I recall him telling us that this had to be that strange and lethal phenomenon a hemorrhagic fever. Payat was a virologist by training. He was also young, but it strains the credulity that Patton did not know M. tuberculosis becomes a philomatitis once inside a macrophage. Macrophages are large, specialized white blood cells. They usually engulf and destroy potential pathogens that invade the body. In the case of M. tuberculosis, after engulfing it in the macrophage, is unable to bring its chemical weapons to bear on the specially adapted bacteria. Mycobacterium then multiplies, unchecked, encased within the macrophage, and producing highly infectious cell wall-deficient forms and worm-like lethal tubercular cords. Under an electron microscope, they are slightly larger, but otherwise indistinguishable from the Ebola virus. The Marburg virus, or any of the other Philomatitis infectious viral particles from which the filoviruses take their name. Cell wall deficient bacteria are called L form bacteria. As the name implies, they have no cell wall. They are commonly generated in laboratories from many bacterial species, such as B. subtilis or E. coli. They were first isolated in 1935 by Emmy Kleinberger Nobel, a Jewish German microbiologist who fled Germany right about the same time as Theodore von Kahneman. Emmy got her fellowship in 1934 from the American Association of University Women, the AAUW, after being dismissed from her position in Germany. When last the fever, the hemorrhagic virus that would have accounted for the, the microscopic lesions on the dead man's liver was ruled out, Dr. Patton steered the research toward identifying a new one. Finally, who would intervene, instructing the Belgians to immediately send the samples of the tightly sealed containers to Porton Down, 
in turn, putting down with sending samples to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to CDC in Atlanta because it was the world's reference laboratory for hemorrhagic viruses. Predictably, the CDC would confirm the diseases of hemorrhagic virus. To this very day, the CDC warns healthcare workers attempting to diagnose early symptoms of a hemorrhagic fever that the symptoms are non-specific to Ebola infection and often are seen in patients with more common diseases, such as malaria and typhoid fever. Absurd is not nearly a strong enough word that the CDC doesn't mention M. tuberculosis, disease with identical symptoms and acknowledged by practically every competent medical professional in the world as being endemic in Africa and by far its number one killer. The U.S. Department of Defense makes the same omission. In the 2.0 version of their instruction book on testing for Ebola's IR, manufactured for them by the Naval Medical Research Center, mycobacterium are conspicuously absent from the entire conversation. The booklet, marked in red as for use under the emergency use authorization only, contains a three-page list labeled Table 51. All of the bacterial pathogens listed in Table 51 were tested to assure they weren't cross-reacting and giving false positive readings in the Ebola test being recommended. The DOD haughtily assures its savants no cross-reactivity was observed with any of the bacteria tested. Mycobacteria are not on the DLD's list, in spite of the facts given here, and the additional caveat that mycobacterium are known to cross-react and give false positive readings in tests for the HIV virus. In almost 70% of the cases, mycoplasm pneumonia does not show up in Table 51. M. pneumonia is a bacterial pathogen that causes walking pneumonia. Mycoplasma has been linked to the Gulf War Syndrome, as co- GWS, as cofactor to AIDS pathogenesis and sundry unexplained and complex illnesses such as chronic fatigue syndrome, CFS, Crohn's disease, and various arthritic conditions. Prolonged infection with mycoplasma cause chromosomal abnormalities in cells, including chromosomal translocation loss of entire chromosomes, partial loss of chromosomes and additional chromosomes. Chromosomal translocation is a mutation caused by rearrangement of parts between completely different or non-homogeneous chromosomes. Gene fusion resulting in hybrid gene can occur when translocation joins two non-homogeneous genes. Additional Chromosomes and chromosomal translocation force the abnormally high activity in certain proto-oconic genes. An HRAS gene, crucial in regulating cell division, is involved along with the very same CMYC gene that seems to catalyze the transformation of BDNA to ZDNA. The CMYC gene also plays a role in cell division as well as apoptosis and transformation. The increased genetic expressions and mutations risk creating aconogenes, which are the genes that have the potential to produce cancer. Mycoplasmas represent the small self-replicating life forms. Viruses replicate only inside the living cells of other organisms. Virons, the name given to viruses that exist in the form of independent particles, are unable to reproduce without their host and are not considered a life form. Plasmids, free-floating pieces of DNA which can move between cells and self-replicate are also not considered a life form. They are not to be confused with transponsins or jumping genes, which are not a life form either, but a DNA sequence that can move from one location to the other on a chromosome. The Greek prefix myco simply means fungus. Mycobacteria are also named because they have been observed to grow in a mold-like fashion. They are gram-positive, and their cell wall is thicker than most other bacterium, water-repellent and waxy, because it is rich in mycolic acids. It is the cell wall of mycobacterium, specially adapted to infect its host, which makes mycobacteria so resistant to antibacterial treatment, which for the most part are reliant on attacking bacteria through the cell wall. Mycolic acids are named 
because their form of TARDIS reappearance on the high magnification. Oddly enough, mycobacteria and bacillus both share the moon's appetite for crude oil and toxic waste. All of them can be found thriving in soils around the dilapidated factories that mutilate the third world's ecology. Although analysis of the genomes indicates mycoplasma developed from gram-positive bacteria is a gram-negative and, in fact, has no cell wall at all. As a result, it is practically impervious to antibacterial treatment. Because of its tiny size, it is a notorious contaminant of cultures and research laboratories around the world. Mycoplasma, particularly mycoplasma fermentins, is routinely found in the blood of Gulf War veterans suffering from GDWS. That's Gulf War Syndrome. And there is a strong medical evidence to indicate that some of the multiple vaccines they received before deployment, particularly the anthrax vaccine, was infected with it. There was a Senate study showing that GWS has spread to family members and is likely that it is also spread in the workplace. That is an indication that it is being spread by microorganisms. There is evidence of systemic mycoplasma infections in the blood of Gulf War veterans and civilians at ALS, that's uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or Lou Gehrig's disease. The Veteran Administration's own studies show there is an increased risk of ALS in Gulf War veterans. Yet, knowing all this, over a decade after the Gulf War, the DOD and the Department of Veterans Affairs were still actively promoting the medically untenable theory that post-traumatic stress disorder was a major factor in GWS. During the 90s, in response to the assertions by the medical community that bacterial infection may be the cause of GWS, the DOD stated in letters to various members of Congress and to the press that fermentins infections are commonly found not dangerous and not even a human pathogen. Mystifying statements, to say the least, in light of the patent the Army was holding at the time for mycoplasma fermented incognitus. The incognitus strain is described in the patent application as a novel pathogenic mycoplasma isolated from patients with acquired immune deficiency syndrome. That's AIDS. The intention of patenting it was to use it in detecting antibodies in the Sierra of patients with AIDS, with an eye towards creating a vaccine to be used to protect animals, including humans, against infection by infrarentins, incognitus, or other mycoplasmas. The army is all too aware of the bacteria's deadly pathogenic qualities. In their experiments, its introduction to the nude, into nude mice, immunocompetent mice, produced symptoms such as B-cell tumor, spindle cell tumor, and immunodeficiency. The patent states that the new pet's discovery was made in the course of work under a grant award from the United States Department of the Army. The date for its application is given as June 6, 1991. It was issued on September 7, 1993. It is the continuation of a patent filed November 2nd, 1988, and abandoned, which in turn, in a continuation in part of a patent filed on June 6th, 1986, and abandoned. Mycoplasma is the name given to certain fulmentatis microorganisms that were thought back in 1929 that both cellular and acellular stages in their life cycle. This would account for how they would could be seen with a microscope, but were able to pass through the filters that were impermeable to bacteria. Seracea, Bacillus, Pseudomonas, and Bacterium are bacteria, and Mycobacterium are bacteria. They can be cultured in a lab or occur on their own in nature. They can be observed under a microscope and filtered out in a solu- out of a solution. The ability to pass through the bacteria filters of the legendary microbiologist Louis Pasteur's generation is the common denominator for viruses and mycoplasma. Things were cultured back then, but nobody really knew what they were culturing until Ernst Ronska got his electron microscope up and running in the early 30s. The first images of the viruses and the isolation of the L-form bacteria would immediately follow. The viruses... 
the virus is the most abundant biological entity on Earth. A teaspoon of seawater contains about one million of them. Most bacteriophages, they're dis- mostly bacteriophages. Their destruction of waterborne bacteria is the driving mechanism behind the recycling of carbon in marine environments. Microorganisms themselves constitute about 90% of the ocean's biomass. It's estimated the viruses kill approximately 20% of this biomass each day, and that there are 15 times more viruses in the oceans as there are both bacteria and atria combined. It is the bacteriophage which normally hold in check the harmful algal blooms that are ravaging waterways all over the world. There is no tree of life in biology. There is a web of life. Everything is interconnected. Each facet of life is woven together with the other facets in a tapestry that is strong enough to sustain itself. As Timothy Leary should have noted, and Santana did, everybody's everything. Nowhere is this better demonstrated than in the case of microscopic animals called water bears or tardigrades. 17.5% of their genes come from completely different organisms and taxonomic kingdoms. In order to better cope with environmental stress through horizontal gene transfer, they have incorporated the DNA of 1,300 bacterial species, 40 archaea, 91 species of fungus, 45 plant species, and six viruses. Horizontal gene transference is the transfer of genes between organisms by means other than asexual and sexual reproduction. Asexual and sexual reproduction is called vertical gene transference. Both are instruments in the orchestra that plays the symphony of life. Ironic that Adolf Hitler seems to have been the only one recently in power that understood the consequences of fiddling around with the tuning. The means by which the dragon soldiers wage war is not new. It is not new, not new now, new even 70 or 100 years ago. Dragon soldiers take their name from the dream dragon of alchemy. The methods used to produce the cellular transformation and transduction to mutate and hybridize bacteria in today's modern laboratories could just as easily have been employed by 14th century alchemists to do the same thing. Yersinia pestis could not have moved as quickly and efficiently as it did during the outbreaks of the plague unless it had a far better vector than the fleas from rats that are proposed by mainstream science. The image of death as a hooded black figure wielding a skeeth is taken directly from the sightings of these mysterious figures in the field before outbreaks of the Black Plague. The German, a German account says they cut at the coats so that the swish could be heard at a great distance, but the oats remained standing. William Branley, in his landmark book, The Gods of Eden, speculates that the skites may have been long instruments designed to spray poison or germ-laden gas. He notes that a strange noxic mist seems to precede the plague wherever it appeared. Branley goes on to say, how Germans were told by authorities to place newly baked bread on the end of a pole overnight. If in the morning it was found to be mildewed and and internally grown green, yellow and uneasable, and then when thrown to fowls and dogs causes them to die from eating it, they would know the plague poison is near at hand. Your senior pestis does not spoil bread, but it would if it was being carried in the endospores of Bacillus subtilis, a notorious contaminant of grain products and the cause of a condition known to bakers as ropey bread. It was in 1319 in Bavaria that the Jews were first accused of poisoning the wells with leprosy, a product of Mycobacterium leprae. This was around the same time the Zohar and the Sephazizira began to circulate throughout the Northern Europe's Jewish communities. These mystic texts report to reveal the secrets of Jehovah, the dark and angry God of the Old Testament. These secrets are unlocked through application of Tumura, Nonarikid, and Gematria to the text itself and certain passages in the Torah. According to Jewish law, knowledge of these permutations and codes inevitably Mariel prayed to use the Sephardizera or Book of Formation to breathe life into a magical creature that can be fashioned from a special type of red clay. 
The plague is God's weapon of choice throughout the Old Testament and Torah. When plague broke out in Europe in 1348, the Jews were blamed for poisoning the wells throughout Northern Europe. On August 22nd, 1349, rather than be baptized, no less than 6,000 Jews were burned alive at Mayence. This went on to a lesser extent in almost every town in Germany, because when offered the option of baptism to being slow-roasted, most Jews preferred to offer themselves up as a holocaust. Although there are many confessions by Jews, the confessions were uniformly elicited by torture and made under great duress. Real evidence is nebulous that Jewish rabbis were waging medieval bacteriological warfare, but it's damning that Christian shaman were. In fact, it is celebrated on the walls of the Vatican by the great artist Raphael and his awe-inspiring masterpiece, the Mass at Mausolina. In 1264, it was commemorated by Pope Urban at the Feast of Corpus Christi. It is now known that transubstantiation of the host before the astonished minions in Bolsena in 1263, the miracle on which the Catholic Church bases the homicidally insane Pope Innocent III's cannibalistic doctrine of transubstantiation, a doctrine rejected for the prior 50 years, was due to the communion bread being contaminated by Serasia Marcessens. The blood of Christ that dripped upon the robe of the doubting priest during the Mass of Balsalina was in reality protegeism being secreted by the microscopic master of the universe. Balsalina wasn't Esmosessen's first day on the job as God either. Blood trickling from their bread had rallied the army of Alexander the Great to sack Tyree in 332 BC. It said the blood was taken from Macedonian seers as an omen that pretended to victory. Scholars have unearthed, unearthed, unearthed no less than 35 historical accounts of blood falling from bread during the Christian celebration of the Eucharist, the first in 1169 in Denmark. In 1541 and 541, the common era, blood trickled from the broken bread at Tours in France. It was said to foretell the defeat of the Lombards and the death of Emperor Tiberius. Most telling of all, when it comes to whom or what really orchestrates the pathological insanity attendant to the Abrahamic religions, the tendency to pillage, plunder, and murder in the name of their God, to offer themselves up as a holocaust rather than mutter some mumbo-jumbo and take a bath, to lash out with unimaginable savagery at anyone and anything that would dare question them is the etymology of Esmosessa's name. The first mention of the microscopic master of the universe, the king of all bacteria, was made in 1818 by Vicendo Set an Italian physician, no doubt acquainted with the, some of the Vatican secrets. According to the 1906 Jewish Encyclopedia, he gave it the strange name of Zyagalactica imitropa, which means I live when I am placed upon food. I live as a gelatin when placed upon food. The most commonly used sacred name of Yahweh is both Judaism and Christianity, is I am that I am. In Hebrew, Ehi, Asha, Ehi, usually shortened to Ehi, or I am. Ehi, Asha, Ehi, literally translates as I will be. What I will be, perhaps, a blood-led gelatinous mass when placed upon communion hosts. In 1848, Christian Gottfried Ehrenberg, the great German naturalist and pioneering microbiologist, changed little Ehi's name to Monus Prodesia, because he believed it to be infusora, and infusora. That's a collective term used for the unicellular algae, the small invertebrates that exist in freshwater ponds and still water that gets trapped in the clay around river. They say there's a crater named after Jack Parsons on the dark side of the moon. Some say Parsons was the man Werner von Braun was in private called the real father of American space program. Journalist Michael Hoffman II has said that Parsons was trying to conjure a homunculus when the lab explosion that allegedly ended his life in 1952 took place. It's reputed that Parsons' body was burned beyond recognition. A few hours later, Parsons' beloved mother would commit suicide. They, both were, bur they were both buried in closed coffins. But what many believe, there were no bodies in those coffins, Paul Coffins and Parsons, along with his mother, 
would go on to take his rightful place at the helm of Nassau as Hiram Abiff, the widow's son in Freemasonry. A homunculus is a supernatural being that the master alchemist grows in the jaw. He does not create, but rather grows it like a seed or a germ being cultured in a lamb. Just like a, the golem, the homunculus bestows great power on its creator and knows many of the universe's secrets. Aside from being Theodore von Karman's partner in the founding of JPL and by proximate at Nassau, Parsons was both Alistair Crowley's protege and proxy in America. Parsons, in letters to Crowley, addressed him as most beloved father and would recite, along with his employees, Crowley's hymn to Pan before each of JPL's test launches. Crowley needed a proxy in America because he had been under house arrest in England since at least since 1933, when in celebration of Imbolc, he had come right out in the Sunday papers before the horrified skeletons of empire and told them he was the true face of National Socialism, their looming nemesis. At birth, I had three of the distinguishing marks of Buddha. I was tongue-tied. I had a characteristic membrane, which necessitated an operation. And over the center of my heart, I had four hairs curling left to right in the exact form of a swastika. Before Hitler was, I am. Parsons has grown his homunculus on instruction from Crowley, who had already grown one, which he called Lamb, in preparation to perform the amelantra working. Before his death in 1947, Crowley had warned Parsons about trying to complete the amelantra working by, working by performing the Babylon.